Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleash and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you very much for listening in. Today we are going to be talking about emotional stability when it comes to our dogs and emotional health because I think it's probably the most important thing to kind of aim for when raising a um, puppy or dog in general. When we bring a dog into our lives, that um, emotional stability uh, is honestly the the kind of secret to living a really happy and healthy life with your dog. We don't get many phone calls asking people to help us with dogs that are emotionally stable. Like, period. <laughs> They're the easy ones. They're the ones that people just find really easy to live with. We always get phone calls for dogs that are coming from a place of emotional instability. That's where a lot of the... Um, uh, unwanted behaviours like uh, explosive behaviours like aggression and reactivity and resource guarding and all of all of the things that we don't want um, a lot of the time are coming from that place of emotional instability. Um, you know, unwanted behaviours, you know, maybe things like a little bit of cheekiness from the dog or anything like that. Sure, they're not coming from that place, but they're not as difficult to overcome. Uh, in reality, like that, that's the that's the nature of what we do in, in the sense that when we're working with a puppy, that yes, we've got other things that we've got to concentrate on, like socialising, um, building communication patterns, some, um, you know, house rules. But essentially, all of it kind of comes back down to emotional stability. Like when socialising, are you an emotionally stable individual when, so, when in social situations? And if not, is it the social situation itself that is making you uncomfortable and feel um, in uh, feel that way, or uh, and, are, and are we naturally inclined to be a little bit more, you know, uh, uneasy in those social situations? Um, but that, yeah, the the nature of what we're trying to do with people with their puppies is try to raise an emotionally stable dog, and. That seems to be like the the bottom line when when we're working with people and their dogs. Like the the obedience, I hate that word obedience. Um, it comes second to emotional stability in my book. Like the way that we tie the three things that we've talked about previously of obedience, uh, dominance, and uh, over exercise, and uh, trying to tie them out. Um, all ties into you know if we get those three bits wrong um we'll and communicate and, and communicate ineffectively or harshly we're going to create you know, emotional instability which is going to cause problems if we dominate and bully and over and use punishment and we end up creating a dog that just does things out of fear of us we're going to create emotional instability um if we over exercise and 
we constantly keep the dog going, 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 and we put them through nothing but adrenal fatigue, we're going to see emotional instability. And that's what I mean. Like Those things seem to crop up over and over again in the, in the dogs we work with in the you know city life, urban life uh, of um, the way we live with our dogs. And I think one of the mistakes people make is they think that by to raise an emotionally stable dog they almost have to put them through a baptism of fire. So they are trying to harden the dog by putting it through tough events. Um, and that just doesn't add up to me, you know. And there's a, there is a big reason, I'm, and I'm building to it, but, like, instead of just asking the dog to absolutely endure something and then uh, hope it comes out okay at the other end, what we try and get people to do is introduce stress but without putting them over threshold so yeah like stress is going to happen to your dog but when you notice that your dog is displaying signs of stress go yeah okay mate you can you can leave that you don't have to just suffer that fall you can turn the other cheek and walk away um the reason for that is that's a coping skill and it's one of the fundamental things that we're trying to teach our dogs is coping skills to stress yeah look that's stressful and you can leave Right, um, something that my you know my parents worked their ass off to try to get me to do was turn the other cheek and walk away, and I was crap at it for so long. But it's so important as uh, to be a, to be you know so to behave in a socially acceptable way, um, because nobody actually likes being around instability. It's t- hard. And that's why we get the phone calls because we're like, I'm living with an unstable dog, or well, it's just not an easy thing to do, and it's challenging. And um, if we can actually just help the dog, yeah, look, introduce the dog to stress, but not to the point where it pushes them over threshold, and let them rest and recover in between the, that and the next time you have a stressful event you'll find a really emotionally stable dog. And that sounds really easy, and it's not. It's the reality, but that is the goal. And we're going to fuck it up. We're going to have days where we put too much stress on the dog. Um, but we shouldn't be trying to. And this is, so this is a couple of things, like a couple of really important things when it comes to uh, dog training in general and how much stress we put them through. Because we'll always get the pushback from people going, well, stress happens. They've got to learn how to deal with it. You're absolutely right. You cannot avoid stress. It's going to happen to the dog. But the big difference is you don't need to deliberately put them in stressful situations to the point where they display like really overt, obvious, loud, explosive stress signals. That's saying that you've stressed them out too much, not that you've just simply introduced them to stress. There's a difference, right? You've put the dog over threshold. And doing that isn't going to increase their resilience. If you're just asking the dog to tolerate it, you're decreasing resilience because you're just fucking forging this hard-edged dog. And it's sure, if you make him go through that bathroom of fire, you're probably fine. It's going to go one or two ways. Some dogs will just, sure, they'll go, oh, fine, I give up. But that's a horrible life trying to get your dog to just give up over things. Like, who wants that? And the other end of the spectrum is 
that they become really hard-edged themselves. That's their coping skill. They become rough and abrasive and go on the front foot. And that's obviously not social behaviour. And no, it's not your dog being tough. It's your dog having learned that it has to survive that way, which again is a shit life. So we're not aiming for that. But the big thing for me was is the notion of consent, right? Because we will, I'm, I, as an individual myself, right, I can say that I put myself through testing times to build my resilience. And that is my choice, right? I knew that I was signing up for it. It was conscious and deliberate, and I consented to it. Right. If somebody wants to put something, me through something, I have got the option to consent in or out to whatever that might be as, as an adult, as a human. Right. It's my right and it is and I am fortunate enough to have a life that in 99 percent of circumstances, I do actually have that choice. And. I can't tell you which way I'm going to choose every time, but that's life, isn't it? But the thing is, when it comes to our dogs, they're at our mercy. And it's very different to me choosing to put myself through something because I know I would be better for it and me choosing to put my dog through something because I know they'd be better for it because they didn't consent. When it comes to behavior change, if I'm trying to change my dog's behavior, I've got to remember that currently, while the dog might not, love the behavior it's doing it's only doing it because of the circumstances we put it in so as far as the dog is concerned the behavior is working just fine right if the dog's barking and lunging and keeping dogs away from it because it doesn't like dogs yes it might be a problem for us but and super inconvenient but for the dog it's very effective and it hasn't actually signed up for it to be changed and that's huge right no the dog doesn't recognize that the problem that we did the dog doesn't understand that we're even trying to change the behavior. It doesn't understand that concept because dogs don't do that to other dogs. They don't try to change other dogs' behavior like that. They don't, not over an extended period of time where they make a conscious decision to go, oh, well, that dog over there barks all the time. I'm going to make a conscious effort to change that behavior. And I want to create this dog to chew on its stick every time somebody goes past the house or whatever we decide. They just don't have that cognitive thought process. So the, so the idea that our dogs signed up for the training, it just isn't true, right? They, they can opt in and out of the behaviors that we're asking of them. And that can be conditioned and trained, absolutely. But when we're trying to change a behavior, the, the methods we use really matter because of that, because of the, whether the dog didn't, just didn't sign up for it to be changed. And so we shouldn't be putting it over threshold. We shouldn't be flooding it. And we should be using like under threshold so that the dog is coherent enough to actually opt in and choose the behaviours uh, that we're asking of it. And, and in doing so, we raise emotionally stable dogs. Right? We, with, those, with the methodologies coming from motivation rather than coercion and punishment, we raise dogs that learn to make good decisions and actually choose to do something because they're motivated to do it rather than motivated to avoid negative consequences. And it sounds pedantic, but it's not. It's, it's a huge difference in the quality of life. And if I've got a dog that, you know, all I really want from my dogs is to listen to me most of the time. Nobody listens to me 100%. I'm sure even half of you are just going, all right, and calm down. But 
I want them to listen to me most of the time. I want them to be able to read the situation around them, which means they have to be, you know, generally speaking, not not flooded and panicking or overstimulated. Yes, they get overstimulated, but that's when we deem it appropriate, right? Um, and I, but ultimately, I, I want them to be, you know, just comfortable in their own skin. And that doesn't come from uh, coercion, punishment, domination, strict obedience where they can't, they have no autonomy over their own actions and being stressed out. It comes from healthy communication skills, uh, entering a dialogue. It comes from healthy leadership, setting them up for success and supporting them if we notice that they are getting stressed. It comes from having healthy levels of uh, an appropriate abridgement in their daily life. Um, and that that's the crux of it. You know, yes, we're going to fuck it up some days. Yes, it's going to go to shit and we're going to absolutely get it wrong. And there's going to be really difficult life stages. You know, puppyhood, we're going to miss beats. Adolescence, we're going to miss more. Um, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying our best and, and and doing what we can every day. And again, sometimes, some days, our best isn't actually our best, but it's always our best at the time if we have this attitude. And that's all that anybody can ask in any relationship at the end of the day. So I'll leave it there for today. A bit of food for thought. I'd love to hear your comments, get your feedback. Um, what do you think about this idea as a concept? Uh, let me know. Um, be really happy to hear from you and uh, we will see you next week thanks so much for listening that's it for this week guys if you ever want to ask questions give feedback or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram I'll be happy to help if you're feeling really generous leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on and if you want to nerd out more with us then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible see you next week This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.